Welcome into episode 21 of Hardcore Penn State Football. I'm Corey Lestoki. Sean Kane will be with me in just a second. A lot to talk about today. James Franklin kind of sheds light on the NIL situation and how Penn State might be just a little bit behind. Big recruiting weekend is happening right now. A current Penn State commit is now crystal balled somewhere else. Also, we're going to preview Ohio and talk a little bit about that. And if the Big Ten did realign, what would you want to see? All that and a lot more on this week's episode. Let's get right to it. Sean Kane, Corey Lestoki, just after this. Here we go. Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. I am Corey Lestoki, and with me, shockingly, as always, for episode 21, Sean Kane. Welcome in, Sean. Hey, Corey. How are we today? I'm doing fantastic. A little hectic around the house. We got back from Atlanta on Saturday, went to a Braves-Pirates game, which the Pirates did exactly what you'd expect the Pirates to do. They had a lead, and then they gave up. I want to say eight runs in the seventh inning, including a uh, grand slam, and kind of just took the hopes away, all like that. So, pirates being pirates. Yeah, my girlfriend's a pirates fan, so I know the struggle of uh, liking the Buckos. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it it was basically what you expected, but, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, it's it was fun. I hadn't been to Truist Park yet, so it was nice to be there. It's really cool there. Um, spent a lot of money, so that's always good. But no, we had a good time. Went to the aquarium as well. We'd been down here in the south for a while, but because of COVID, we hadn't really got to explore Atlanta very much. So it was nice to get there and uh, at least get to you know look around a little bit. I, I've already been to the College Football Hall of Fame, but if you have not been to the College Football Hall of Fame yet in Atlanta, a hundred percent highly recommend it. I was there in twenty. 18 when i went to the college football award ceremony which is actually at the hall of fame 100 percent highly recommend go check it out it is very much worth it yeah i will have to check it out because um because i do have family down there so it would be maybe my next trip down to atlanta i'll check it out yeah for sure yeah you definitely should well we have a lot to talk about today sean um nil stuff with james franklin he kind of had a post-practice whatever brief presser and spoke about nil nick singleton gets a new deal with nil uh we're gonna talk ohio preview we're gonna talk maybe big 10 realignment and some recruiting news as this one not i wouldn't say the biggest i think next week's gonna be the big big and you know enchilada as far as recruiting but still a lot of guys visited today i was hoping maybe this time we would be having a commit to talk about but that hasn't happened yet we're recording roughly at 
uh, 2.30 Eastern on Sunday. So it still could happen by the end of the day. Who knows? But um, we do have one other crystal ball pick in from 24-7 Sports that is not in favor of Penn State. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, Sean, Nick Singleton inking a new NIL deal with West Shore Home. I don't know if it's exactly reality or what, but they're, I think they're out of Mechanicsburg. Don't know the actual details of the deal, but it seems like it's a long deal. I'm assuming a lot of money. So Nick Singleton off the board there as far as making some NIL money. Yeah, and that's always good to see. It's uh, it's important to keep the guys that you have happy. And part of being happy is making, in today's day and age, is making sure that your marquee guys have money flowing into them. So very happy for Nick Singleton and one of the Mechanicsburg is a Pennsylvania-based company. So it's good to see them helping out the Penn State roster and sort of uh, answering James Franklin's clarion call. Right. And I think it's also big for the young guys to get these deals because as we start talking about recruiting today, I think a lot of these recruits are looking at the new guys coming in. I think it's one thing for the old guys not to want to do with it because they they don't really know what they're getting themselves into or maybe they're just ready to be done. Who knows? But these younger guys, when they see other younger guys getting deals, I think that is enticing and that's a big-time recruiting tool. So who knows how much money it is? Who knows? But it doesn't hurt as far as one of Penn State's – probably one of Penn State's most important – incoming freshmen uh getting a big deal like that i think that that does things well or bodes well for the recruiting moving forward sure of course uh like like you mentioned maybe some of the older guys it won't mean a whole lot too but uh nil is going to be a part of these high school sophomores juniors and seniors time at their respective colleges so I'm sure an important thing that they're going to be looking out for is what their future teammates, and Nick Singleton will be one of their future teammates, what what they're getting even before Nick Singleton even is on the field for a play at Penn State. Right, 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 right. Well, let's just go right into what James Franklin said uh, this past week, talking about NILs and basically saying, quote, there is no long haul. It needs to be now. It needs to be yesterday. We need to do everything we possibly can to put Penn State in the position this season. Then also protect our roster, our own roster, for the future. Then we also must put ourselves in a position to be able to tell a story and show the incoming guys that we're doing it, that what we're doing and how we're taking care of our program and our roster. End quote. So... He goes on to say basically that the number you're thinking of as far as NIL number is it's actually even more than what people are kind of talking about, which in certain ways kind of sounds disgusting, especially if you're not on the NIL train, which, by the way, you kind of just need to be at this point. Um, But. Sean, it almost seems like I don't want to see it almost seems desperate at this moment because, Sean, there was a lot of guys in this twenty twenty three class especially defensive players we thought might've been locked up by now. And God forbid, if they're not locked up by this next weekend, you begin to wonder how much this is starting to play a role in finishing off some of these commits that we thought were going to be commits by now. Uh, if that's Robertson, uh, Robinson, if that's Rojas, whatever the case may be, 
that begins to become a question mark, and that's not good for Penn State. Yeah, um, and I think we've all seen James Franklin's press conferences over the years. He was as animated talking about NIL as I've seen him. So that's curious, and I think that's also an indication of where he sees this going. This is going to be, NIL is going to be, whether people like it or not, this is what it's going to be. And he is basically begging people for money. And the thing with this, as opposed to the the other things we talk about, uh, game day preparation, things of that nature, anything having to do with the, the actual game itself. James Franklin and the coaching staff don't have all that much to do with this. They, 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 literally, they can't have that much to do with it. All he could do really is ask for money uh, because the schools themselves do not pay anything toward NIL or organize anything toward NIL. So he's relatively powerless and he's just trying to fund, basically fundraise to not only recruit, but to just keep his team together. Because I think it was brought up to him that Ryan Day had spoken at a, at a at an Ohio State function. He said, you're going to need about eight about $13 million a year just to keep your roster. So that's before we get into any recruiting. You're going to have to make sure that the people on your roster are happy. Or you could see something like what happened with Jordan Addison at Pitt. He's going to USC now because he's getting more NIL money there. Yeah, and I think it's a whole new world, right? I mean, it's obviously a whole new world. He went on to say, quote, if School X has a number and we're supposed to be competing with School X, why would our number be different? Who determines the number? If you're selling your house, do you determine the number? The market determines the value of your house. So if the number is huge everywhere, presumably Penn State also has to have a huge number, regardless of what kind of fans think, it's hard, right? Because Penn State's never been... The, oh, we have to do it like everyone else. But in this circumstance, I don't think they have a choice. And that aspect of having to recruit your roster every year is difficult. Because how do you keep everyone happy? At first, we were telling the college kid to sacrifice in order to play. Now, the the, the kid doesn't have to sacrifice anything. So how is that going to... And then if they are really good... Then they could just transfer to a better program anyway, because you okay. Let's say you give a guy a chance. You, theoretically, you would redshirt him, but since you don't want him to leave, you're like, okay, we're gonna play you in four. Maybe let's say we play you in eight games, and you do really well. Well, then now you might be offered more money somewhere else because now people know how good you are. So it's a lose lose situation as far as playing time and paying these players. And I'm not really sure how you find that exact balance, Sean. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to find that balance. But I, I want to make something pretty clear, though. There's no reason why Penn State can't compete with this. I, I think there's an assumption amongst fans that Penn State just won't be able to compete with the big schools. Um, and I don't really understand why. We have a big alumni association. We have rich alums. I don't understand why they wouldn't be able to compete except for the same thing we talk about with facilities. Some people are just hard to reach. Some people don't believe in NIL. They think that 
it's amateur sports, which, and that they don't want, that they just want to wash their hands with this and say, look, I donate enough money. I'm not even getting into the NIL discussion. Um, and then some people are still hung up on Joe Paterno, on this, that, or the other thing, and they don't really want to contribute. But with the resources that are um, potentially available, there's no reason why Penn State can't keep up. Uh, that this isn't uh, Rutgers. This isn't Indiana. We should be able to keep up, but it requires people to want to to want to help. And between the people not really being enthralled with the idea of name, image, and likeness, and people not really being, and the rich donors not particularly being too enthralled with Penn State, period, right now, for whatever reason, I think it could potentially, I, I, think, it, I think that's the reason it could be tough. I think it's also important to know that we don't really know how well the funding is going to be moving forward, right? I mean, we knew kind of what Sandy Barber was going to bring to the table. We we had an idea of maybe what her shortcomings were, but we don't know anymore, right? We we don't know what Patrick Kraft is going to bring to the table. We don't know how maybe he can and, and it seems like he's going to be mo- more focused on football. We don't know how he can maybe revitalize the donors. We don't know how he can get that donor base to to be more, not just profitable, but more um, involved. That could be a game changer for Penn State. Uh, I don't think it's going to be worse. I don't think that's necessarily possible. I guess it is, but I, I think it's going to be better. But is it going to be enough to hang out with? And, and let's be let's be frank, right? Before... And that's not a pun, by the way. Um, before the NIL, P- Penn State was going to struggle to compete recruiting with Ohio State. Just wasn't going to happen. And best case scenario, before NIL, you were going to look to beat Ohio State every three-ish years and potentially have a better season than them when things kind of went your way. When they were kind of on a on a setback year and, and you were on a good year, that's what the kind of the ceiling was. Now... You could argue maybe that ceiling's even a little bit lower. Uh, maybe the floor is a little bit lower too. But also, there is still opportunity here, and I think a lot of Penn State fans have gone down the whole rabbit hole of, oh well, we're we're, we're no longer going to be compete, and and we're no longer going to be able to do anything uh, compared to what you know the USC, the Miami, the Alabama, the Ohio State, the Texas. Uh, the Clemsons are going to be able to, the Georgias are going to be able to do. And and I'm not sure that's really fair, especially since we don't really know where we're at. We obviously know we need to do better, but I, I think it's unfair this early on to say, look, it's just not going to ever happen just because it hasn't happened yet. Penn State fans are not like other fans. They are not, they want to know what they're they're putting their money into. And, and to be honest, you can't blame them for it. You can't blame these high-end donors for not just jumping in you know, head first right into whatever the heck we're getting ourselves into. That That's not really what the Penn State base is. And yeah, maybe that hurts them initially, but I, I still think there's plenty of time to turn this thing around. I think there's time too, uh, but you you could run out. Um, and I would also say with competitive balance, what's Penn State's record in the last five years against Ohio State? Not five. great. Yeah, it's all in five. So it's not like we're neck and neck with them right now. I, 
maybe in a dream world we are. And I know we've had some close calls with them. I don't want to pretend like every game's a blowout. It's not. But to sit here and think, oh, we'll never be able to compete with them. Well, we were having trouble competing with them before. Could it get worse, potentially? Maybe. Um, but I still think Penn State's going to be able to put good classes together. Uh, they're putting it together a good class right now. I, I'm sort of worried about this class, and we'll get into why. Um, but I think we're still going to be able to have good players on the roster. We're not going to turn into Northwestern overnight. I, I just can't see that happening with NIL. I think we'll, in five years, if I had to guess, I think we'll be right around where we are right now. Ohio State will be the premier team. We'll beat them once every few years, and th- that'll be that. Uh, just like it is right now. And yeah, that, that, that that isn't just a Penn State thing, too. I think that goes right through college football. Right now, there's about four teams every year. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson, kind of, that compete for those playoff spots. And then it's sort of everybody else. So what's the difference going to be in five years after NIL? I just don't think there's going to be all that big of a difference. Right, right. Besides, Except if you're a team like Purdue or Illinois that might not have the kind of money that the other big teams have. You might be a little worse, but you're not that great right now either. Right. And I think there's some situations where some schools might benefit a lot from it. Right. I mean, you look at a a struggling Miami, a team that hasn't Mm -hmm. really been good for the last two decades, has the opportunity maybe to get better. Maybe a a program like Rutgers, there's a lot of money in the Jersey area. There's potential for them if they can get things going the right way. and, And who better than Shiana to do it where you might be able to get a little bit more funding or even a Texas who hasn't been good since about the mid 2000. Well, I, besides a couple of years, I guess, but really hasn't been anything special for at least a decade. Um, now also has an opportunity maybe to kind of figure things out finally. And even how good Texas A&M has kind of been, they hadn't won the SEC West yet. They, they hadn't done it really enough to, to dominate that area. And and maybe they can now finally beat Alabama and go to the national championship and do all those things and get to the playoff because uh, they haven't done that yet either. So or even a USC for that matter. So I think in some regards people are like, oh, we want the blue bloods to be better. Well, in some regards, there's an opportunity now for the Nebraska for the USC, you know, to to finally get back to where they were because they those teams really haven't been good for almost twenty years. So that begs the question, why not us? Why can't we use this to our benefit? Um, Like you mentioned Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska, it's not L.A. It's not Miami. Because some people would be like, oh, well, you know, L.A. uh, And I agree with you. I think a team like USC and Miami in particular could benefit from this. But, like, Austin, Texas (laughs) isn't the equivalent to those places. But what they do have is money. and. Penn State, low-key, has some money. They might not spend it, but we have rich donors. And the challenge, like you said, will be how could Patrick Kraft, how could James Franklin convince these donors uh, to cough up more money? Because it's needed if we want if we want any kind of dream of getting near the top and being one of those 
what I think we could be, which is a t- top 10 to top 15 program. Yeah, I still think that's the ceiling. I don't think that's changed yet. Um, yeah, and and Texas, though, I mean, Texas has a lot more money than Penn State. So, I mean, it's easy to see. and They just don't have the same kind of, you know, we're talking about gas money, oil money at that point. And we're not, we're not there, but you don't have to be. Um, but I do think this press conference, like you said, was kind of a, hey, guys, this shit's serious. And make no mistake about the timing of this. This was just three days after Georgia offered offensive lineman three-star right now, Joshua Miller from Virginia. And based off 24-7 sports, John, Crystal Ball by Brian Dunn is in for maybe a potential flip to Georgia. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, anytime. And now Georgia is going to be sort of like an Alabama in that if you have a Georgia offer that's instantly something to worry about. Uh, in in addition to NIL, they just won the national championship, so you're going to have a boost after that. And I expect Joshua Miller will probably be a higher ranked prospect because everything I hear about him, he's a really, really good. He's a really, really good football player. So that would be a big loss if it comes to fruition, and it seems like it will. Uh, and also. Penn State just lost out on Rodney Gallagher last week. And that was a guy that I really think that in a couple of years, if he was a recruit a couple of years back, he's probably playing for Penn State. And I know he's closer to West Virginia, his house closer to uh, West Virginia's campus than it is to, to uh, University Park. But he just seemed like such a Penn State guy being a Pennsylvania guy, being a guy Penn State's been on for the past three years. And it had always been seen as a Penn State versus Notre Dame battle, and then he goes to West Virginia. And there are rumors that he got a good NIL offer. So all of this is in James Franklin's mind right now. And unfortunately, like I mentioned, it's not really something that he can control that well, or he's just learning how he could influence it. And that's a big thing, too. Everybody's still learning this, this new thing that just got thrust upon them because the NCAA did nothing the past 15 years since the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit. Right. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, first of all, if you haven't seen Joshua Miller, uh, he has a little dunking montage thing on Twitter somewhere. It's pretty good. He, he can he can dunk a basketball and not just dunk it, but he can dunk it with some style. So should check that out, but it's not looking good there. And and we talked a lot about Rodney Gallagher what, a week ago, two weeks ago, and and it's frustrating, and I think Penn State fans especially, this was supposed to be, maybe not this week specifically, but this month was supposed to be kind of maybe the, the momentum boost that we needed as far as recruiting goes. I mean, this time last year was the beginning of what turned into a huge run for Penn State recruiting, where they got – well, I don't know how many recruits in the, in the span of just a couple weeks. And so it was hard to keep up with. And it, was, it started about this time last year. So big official visit this week, big official visits next week. Um, but so far, at least, Sean, we haven't seen any sort of commitments. And now, like you said, it seems like some guys are holding out because there's not as much NIL. They wanted to come to Penn State, but now it's like, well, I can get a lot more of us going somewhere else. And that is at least making them second guess it. 
Yeah, and that that plays a role. Uh, it's also important to note, though, that I think a lot that a lot of these guys are still taking visits. Um, I believe uh, Trayon Webb, who is right now probably, I, I believe Florida is favored to to land Mr. Webb. He's he's a, he's a Florida native. He still has to visit South Carolina. Um, there's uh, now, I was hoping that possibly Yazid Haynes would commit this weekend. On, I, right now, it looks like Penn State's his only scheduled visit. Uh, I still like where Penn State sits with with uh, with Yazid Haynes. He's also he he is uh, from Pennsylvania, but hopefully, as the month goes on and the month turns into July, hopefully then you'll start seeing some commitments rolling. I really thought Haynes might commit this weekend, and, and he still might. Um, maybe James Franklin has told him not to do it quite yet, but it just seems like he was a guy who caught fire at camp last week and was going to come right back, and they just kind of had a feeling that that was going to be, you know, that that was it, that this was going to be kind of the wrap-up deal, make sure he's 100%, you know, okay, and that hasn't happened yet, so who knows where he's at and if he's going to take more visits, but... It just seems like he's a guy that that was maybe going to commit today or this weekend. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely did. Uh, he just picked up his uh, a fourth star from Rivals.com. So as we all know, the way we work here is Yazid Haynes is a four star because that's his highest that's his highest ranking. <laughs> um, but oh wait, he does have a visit scheduled for Minnesota next week. So. Keep an eye on that. Well, that's potentially discomforting, but we'll have to just kind of have to wait and see. Um, I think didn't wasn't there another safety that is currently committed to Alabama that came up for a visit yes. this weekend too? Yes, uh, Elliot Washington. He's probably, if I had to guess, the best player that was on campus this week. He is a four-star safety from Florida, and he. Right now, it looks like it's between Penn State, Michigan State, and Alabama. And he, while he's currently uh, committed to Alabama, Penn State is supposedly right in there with Michigan State and Alabama to land him. Uh, he would be a big coup for Penn State, for uh, James Franklin if you're able to flip a Alabama commit. I can't really remember the last guy Penn State flipped from Alabama. So definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on. And it seems like he had a very good visit, and it looks like he had a very good visit with Penn State this week. He's visiting Michigan State uh, next week. So keeping an eye on him. The only other guy I really want to mention was Tony Rojas. Decided that he was not going to visit Miami this weekend uh, for an official visit. So um, kind of curious what's going on there. Again, Rojas, a guy who Penn State's had an eye on for a year now, if not longer, um, still hasn't committed yet. What any thoughts on him? Yeah, he visits next week. He visits Penn State next week, and then he visits Georgia the week after. I still think Penn State is in a really good spot. I still think Penn State lands him, um, but we'll we'll have to we'll have to see what what comes to fruition. He's a guy from Virginia, where Penn State has recruited really really well. Um, Brent Pry used to actually. I, I believe Brent Pry was the guy who would recruit Virginia heavy, uh, heaviest out of the coaching staff, and it looks like his primary recruiter is Manny Diaz. So, if 
fingers crossed for Tony Rojas. I think he's one of the most important guys that Penn State could get this cycle, especially with the depth concerns at linebacker. Right, yeah, for sure. And he was at Clemson, I guess, a week, two weeks ago, I guess now technically. Mm-hmm. Um, so and didn't get, didn't you know, commit there. So that's always good that Dabo wasn't able to swing him away. Uh, Tamir Robinson was at Virginia Tech this past week. Um, not sure how worried we need to be about Virginia Tech kind of swooping in for for Robinson. If that's something that maybe Brent Pry can can steal one from Franklin. Any thoughts there? Uh, yeah, we all know how good of a recruiter Brent Pry is. I still think he and I still think Tamir Robinson ends up at Penn State. I haven't seen anything that would convince me otherwise. So he's another. He's really a can't miss guy out of Pittsburgh. Right. So that would yeah, that'd be very very disappointing. So it seems like Penn State still, although you as fans, it seems like the sky is falling. Right now, though, Sean, it it seems like things are still okay. Um, I know mm-hmm. when the news, if the news does, if Brian Dunn is correct on his twenty four seven crystal ball that Joshua Miller does decommit. Look, Penn State has a bunch of offensive line talent coming in. It would stink to lose a guy like Joshua Miller, and I could see how people would be upset about it. But if you're going to lose a position right now, that's one of the spots. It seems weird to say offensive lineman is okay, but they do have a lot of depth coming. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, A guy I think you need to keep an eye on is Evan Link. He's from Washington, D.C. Penn State seems to be doing really well um, in his recruitment. Uh, He did land a Stanford offer, and we all, I think most people know those are, those are pretty tough to get because they have a way more stringent, uh, they have way more stringent academic standards than the average school. Um, but right now, I really like where Penn State stands with him. He's visiting Michigan next week. Um, and he's, I think, especially if Joshua Miller were to decommit, bringing a, a really a high quality offensive tackle in would be just with the doctor order there. Right, he just under that 300, kind of top 300 threshold that everyone cares about um, from Washington, D.C. So, guy to keep on there is Evan, Evan Link, especially if Miller obviously decommits. Anyone else that needs to be talked about right now? I mean, there's a lot. I mean, it just seems like a lot of guys are kind of in the same spot. And maybe that's just been frustrating for Penn State fans, but it's been three or four months, and it just seems like there hasn't been as much news yet. And I know that official visits just started happening last week but if you're a Penn State fan I think people are getting a little anxious yeah and that's normal to be anxious uh but I would just remind everybody that people just started taking official visits and it takes a little while and if you remember last year uh while I believe the commitments really started in June they really kicked in the high gear in July because then official visits were done and all that other stuff um does NIL is that something more to think about even than last year? Yeah, it is. Um, but I think the big thing right now is everybody's still taking their visits. And just be, be uh, I would advise Penn State fans, be a, a little patient. Even if we lose Joshua Miller, maybe as soon as this week, the commitments happen, and it's about how we could reload and re- and, and replace. Yeah, and also remember, Penn State fans... And James Franklin are kind of on the same page where they don't like 
when guys commit and continue to visit other places. So if that's a if if that's what you want, that's fine. But then don't expect people to necessarily commit early if they want right. to at least peek around the corner and, and see what else is out there. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Right. I would much rather you just take your time and make the right decision the first time. And look, sometimes like these kids are 17 years old. They're going to change their minds about everything. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to get mad if a kid decommits from Penn State. I'm not going to get mad at the kid. I mean, it's his it's his life. It's the biggest decision he's making in his life right now uh, up to this point. So you just got to be patient and roll with the punches. Right. I will say this uh, to Marion Parker, defensive lineman from Phoenix City, Alabama, most likely going to Georgia, but Penn State has at least offered and is, is at least part of the conversation. He's literally just down the road. So if Penn State could find a way to get him, that'd be great because I could go and watch him play. So that would yes. be cool. He visited. Uh, he, he's set to visit uh, next weekend. So see if anything actually happens from there. And- so is London Montgomery, who goes to Scranton Prep. He's also scheduled to visit next week. So if Mr. Montgomery were to commit to Penn State, I will definitely be attending some Scranton Prep, some Scranton Prep games this year. I thought it was interesting because Parker is supposed to go, or uh, I believe Wilthon has a crystal ball in for him on 24-7. But as far as uh, visits go, Right now, he has one set up for Florida in October. He has one set for Michigan State in June. Uh, he just visited Florida unofficially, but Georgia's not kind of a part of this, or at least recent scheduling. So maybe he already has seen enough. He, he unofficially visited Georgia last year, but it just seems like if that's where he's supposed to go, you think he'd be back on the schedule. So who knows? I mean, I think a lot of people are just kind of filling out a lot of different schools right now, and it, uh-huh. It's a dangerous game to go down the schedule list and try to try to read into the minds of some of these guys. Yeah, because they're they're both they're all still going back and forth too on what they're doing. Uh, and like, if you've ever been to a restaurant, sometimes it's almost better to have a smaller menu because all the options could really overwhelm that could really overwhelm you. So think about these high school kids that have all these dozens of offers. I mean, you could talk yourself into school one day and then talk yourself out of it the next day. So it's it's a lot. I, I've always like I've always found it amazing that we put so much pressure on 17, 18 year old kids to pick where they're going to college because it is such a huge decision. And it's a bigger decision when it's your money that you're spending to go. Uh, but even for these guys, it's a huge, huge, it's the toughest decision of their lives up to this point. So that's just something to, just some added context, I think, which is important to remember. Yeah. And to be honest with you, recruiting is not my favorite thing to talk about because of that. Like these yeah. Know, they're still 17-year-old kids. I mean, let them just kind of do whatever they want. But, look, we get the fixation. We get why, you know, it matters so much. Obviously, it's a big deal, and that's why we cover it. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily my favorite thing to do in the world. Um, right. Any final thoughts on recruiting updates before we move on to potential Big Ten conference realignment? No, I don't think so. 
Yeah, I think that was a pretty healthy breakdown. We briefly talked last week, but that was a little bit more extensive this week. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Obviously, 24-7 sports kind of leading uh, coverage with that. One also doing a pretty good job as of late, too. But um, anywho, we will move on to Big Ten realignment. Sean, this is something you hinted at last week. There hasn't been anything crazy or anything breaking as far as that. But I thought I'd let you kind of take the lead on what you would want to see from Big Ten and realignment and why you think maybe it's necessary. Yeah. So I think just for a more competitive balance and uh, realignment is definitely necessary. Um, And I think it would just make uh, week to week much better. So what my proposal would be is for the Big Ten Conference to totally get rid of divisions. So... Divisions are completely gone. There's no more East-West. There's no more Legends or Leaders. And we go from there. So I would have three teams. So take Penn State, for example. Every single year you play three teams no matter what. I think the teams that would make the most sense for Penn State, but this could be, this could be anything, would be Nebraska, Michigan State, and Rutgers. So Nebraska, because Penn State does have Sort of a traditional rivalry with them. They had a lot of games in the 80s. Nebraska really hasn't found a rival in the Big Ten yet. Um, so I think it would make a lot of sense for them to play Penn State. Penn State, Michigan State, the land-grant trophy game is a must. We all know this. So they have to be on the schedule. And then Rutgers just sort of makes sense from a geographic perspective. Um, so you have three games. So those are the three teams you play every year. Then the other weeks, you have five Big Ten teams uh, that you play. You have five Big Ten teams that you have a home-and-home with. And so you play so you play a home-and-home one year, you play a home-and-home the other year, and then the third year, you do a home-and-home with the other five teams. So you have 11 games with your three out-of-conference opponents. The last week presents the last week you have the top four teams play each other you have number one play number four number two play number three and then the other the other teams could figure something out like five play six or whatever so you have basically a a playoff to get to indianapolis number one plays number four number two plays number three winners go to indy and I think it makes the last week of the year interesting. Uh, you're alternating who you play every year. You get to go to every single team's home campus once every, at least once every four years. So you're playing everybody. There really isn't a competitive advantage being in the Easter, being in a a division where you know where the West some years it's just a bunch of mediocrity. You're playing every single team twice every four years, and you're visiting each stadium at least once every four years. So that would be my proposal. And I like the idea of keeping last week of the year of the year interesting by just not knowing who you're going to play. And it depends on how you play all year to determine who who you play and what the game implications would be. Hmm. <laughs> I. Not that I don't like it. I just don't see that ever happening. I mean, you would never have 
any sort. I mean, so you could you could theoretically have everyone play against each other again. That's what you're proposing. Yes. Yes. So let's say Penn State and Ohio State play each other during the year. Will you play them again? Because those 11 games are different than the last week of the year in that the last week of the year is sort of a playoff on its own. And that's that's my idea. I think it keeps the last week of the year interesting. And if you lose to Ohio State, well, you have a chance to beat them. If you beat Ohio State, you have to beat them again. Or Michigan or whoever. You know what I mean? Okay, that's pretty radical. I think people are going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And not that I don't like it. I think it's a little much. I don't think people... I think people would rather see, and I think I would rather see, that week be used as a non-conference week against better competition. I would rather you figure out the conference baloney, any way you want to slice it, with eight games, like the SEC does, like the ACC does, and... You play your your you play that extra week against better competition because we don't have to worry as much about getting in if you go undefeated in, in conference play. So you go play in Auburn, you play at Virginia Tech, you play in Oklahoma, whatever the case may be, and it doesn't really matter as much if you lose because honestly, more than likely the playoff is going to eventually expand at some point. Um, also, I don't think a big let's say Big Ten really cares that they get a team in. If you make them all play each other for two weeks straight, now you're giving your undefeated team a chance, two more chances basically to lose against good competition. And I don't know if that's going to be beneficial in the long run. If Ohio State beat Penn State, um, and then they play the last week of the season. That's even if Ohio State wins, then they still have to play another good opponent in the Big Ten Championship. While I don't know, Clemson might have just had to play whoever to get, to win the ACC championship, and that was it, and they're done. So I don't, you know, it almost makes it that much harder for the Big Ten to get into the playoff, and I don't think that they're going to want to make it harder. Now, I will say. Getting rid of, the, I, I really did like getting rid of the divisions and, and how you broke down, you know, having some protected rivalries. Um, maybe I would like to see Minnesota over Rutgers. I know why, you know, Rutgers makes more sense. Um, but I think it's important to have some of those protected rivalries, not really for, for Penn State as much as it is for a lot of the other Big Ten schools, because a lot of Big Ten schools have a lot more traditions. I mean, Iowa, I mean, they probably, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Nebraska. Right, you know, right there are three big ones just for Iowa right off the bat that you would probably want to see kept, and and there's probably a couple other that you could probably want to see kept. So, I think that's an important aspect of it if you're going to do anything like that. Even if you went to a realignment of divisions, even if you kept divisions, I think it'd be very important that you kept some sort of cross divisional rivalry protected because that gives you a little bit more freedom for how you'd want to do it, whether that's divisions or no divisions. Um, I'm not fully 100% against the divisions. I see the benefit to going away from the divisions and just taking the two best teams. But I also think in some years it could hurt you. You know, if you look at what happened in the Big 12 a couple times. But I, I can see why people, you know, 
when you're a when you're a Penn State fan or when you're a I mean think about Indiana. Indiana last year, they were in the Big Ten West. It's a whole different season for or I should say two years ago. It's a whole different season for them. Um and it, they're just never gonna win the Big Ten East. They're just it's just not gonna happen. Michigan State, really good team last year. Who knows if they're in the Big Ten West, what happens? Big Ten East, it's pretty tough. Um I'm curious how much, Sean, the Big Ten will follow whatever the SEC does. The SEC decides, hey, the SEC West is too tough. We want to break up Alabama. We want to break up uh, Texas A&M. We want to break up LSU and Ole Miss. I think that talk has calmed down a little bit, though, because right now Auburn isn't very good. Right now LSU is trying to figure itself out. Ole Miss is better, obviously. Arkansas is better. Um, But with Georgia kind of being the top dog right now, I think they're content for what they have. Right now, they basically have whoever wins the SEC championship is going to go to the playoff. The Big Ten can't really rely on that as much as the SEC does. So I think that's that's the concern. And, and let's be honest, Sean. I mean, right now, the SEC is better than the Big Ten. And the SEC kind of has earned that right for the, their champion to go to the playoff. You can't necessarily say the same, especially – when you sent Michigan State one year and they got the doors blown off them, you sent Ohio State one year, even though they didn't win the Big Ten championship and they got the doors blown off of them. I, I don't think the Big Ten is in a position where they where they can really ask for much much more than what they're currently getting. And I'm not sure the best way to get more teams in. And I, I you think that's with no divisions? I do. Um, I think you you get rid of the divisions. And I just think it makes them more competitive. And as far as my last week of the year goes, if you beat two straight good teams back-to-back weeks, it's going to be tough to hold you out, won't it? Right. But what happens if, um, let's say you're that fourth team, right? You said those top four kind of play each other to go to, the, to, go to Indy. Let's say you're that fourth best team, but you already have two losses. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you beat... Let's say you beat Ohio State and you redeem yourself for them beating you earlier in the year. Okay, maybe that maybe that helps you. And then you win the Big Ten, you know, championship against, let's just say the third worst team in the Big Ten. I don't know. Let's just say it's, let's just say Wisconsin had a mass schedule that year, and and the, because let's say Wisconsin's protected rivalries, I don't know, would be Iowa, would be Minnesota, and let's just say. Someone ran like just say Rutgers, just to even it out, or Illinois, whoever. And that Wisconsin team also had two losses, maybe even three losses. Who knows? Um, I don't know if that win then propels you over a second SEC team. I don't know if that's enough. And and what I'm you know who knows? You can go through all the scenarios. I just don't think that's going to be enough. Where you're like. Oh yeah, that that gets you in no matter what anymore. If anything, I think it just hurts an undefeated team's chance. Hey, Ohio State, or let's just say Penn State. Penn State's undefeated through those games, and they would theoretically just have to play a Big Ten championship game um, against. Let's say they already beat Ohio State, and they wouldn't have to play Ohio State again in a normal system. But because of this top four thing, Ohio State sneaks in at three or sneaks in at four and then they have to play Ohio State again and they lose now you just took a team that was going to play Wisconsin or somebody in the Big Ten championship and probably beat them 
to now a one loss Penn State team and a two loss Ohio State team, and you've just now taken any chance of any Big Ten team being in uh, not just a playoff, but then also Penn State goes from not being in the playoff, but also not the Big Ten champion, still probably wouldn't be going to the Rose Bowl. Ohio State probably would with but their two losses. But can't that happen anyway? If Michigan lost to Iowa this year in the Big Ten championship game, no Big Ten team was getting in. Like, that could happen no matter what. And right, but you're making it twice as likely because you're making Michigan play against the number four seed, let's just say whoever, Michigan State, and then they'd have to play against Ohio State again in, in that next matchup. So you're basically, now you Michigan, good job beating Ohio State, but now you have to play Michigan State again, and now you have to play Ohio State again. And now you have two opportunities for your unblemished record to go away. And I don't think you get in by, you know, by beating Michigan State but losing Ohio State. I don't think that helps you enough. A one-loss team that has just lost Ohio State, I don't know that gets you in. I don't know if that – what you're hoping for is to maybe get two Big Ten teams in a playoff. And most years, at least at a four-team playoff, I don't know if that does enough. But, Corey, you bring up my hidden agenda. Get rid of the game. We get rid of the Ohio State Michigan game. That's not protected. See, it's got to be protected. Though people go that shit crazy. That's exactly. Not protected. And I'm being a little facetious, but I would love, I would love, love, love not to have Ohio State Michigan play the last week of the year. I think it would just be great. They're going to be so sad, and I think that would be awesome. Well, as much stuff. as I'd love them I to love be sad. Like that. <laughs> Um, um, no, but I am being a little facetious, admittedly, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, am I saying my, my idea is perfect? No. And you do bring up a good point that you are twice as likely not to get in. But like I said, though, if you're a one loss team, like, let's say you're the number two ranked team in the big 10 or the number three ranked team in the big 10, let's say there's three 11 and one teams, which is possible. Well, then you have you have a chance to get in and you have a chance to get in the playoffs because as it stands right now, you're probably not getting in. You're not going to get in if you uh, fall short of the of the Big Ten championship. You're probably not getting into the playoffs Um, like if it was in 2016. Who would play? It would be. Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. And Penn State would probably have to play Ohio State again in some way, shape, or form. You just got to beat them. I don't think it's a bad idea, but I understand people having criticisms of it. Uh, The thing that I feel most strongly about, though, is getting rid of the divisions. I just don't think it's helpful. There's no sort... See, I agree with it, but again, you still leave yourself an opportunity to... and, And then again, it just depends, right? I mean, I... I agree with having to do some sort of realignment because the Big Ten East has kicked the turd out of the Big Ten West in, in championship games. If you look overall, it's actually not crazy bad, um, but that that doesn't really mean as much, right? I mean, let's let's not let's just be honest about it, how it how it is. It's not fair. If you were if you pluck Wisconsin into the Big Ten East, they're lucky to do what Michigan State does every time. There's a reason why Ohio State has has kind of done what they need to do against Wisconsin. Hell, Penn State has kind of done what they need to do against Wisconsin as well. So it's hard to look at things. 
it's hard to look at them in 2022 for what that was worth and 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 try to compare that to everything else. But no, I I think you have to realign somehow. Um, you got to somehow get if you use a protected rivalry system and you put Penn State and Ohio State still together, I think that would be a good idea. But then you could put Michigan and Michigan State and more of the West schools together. You could put like like you could put Iowa and Michigan and Michigan State and let's just say Minnesota there in one division. And that would get you a lot of the rivalries with each other that you you'd want to see. Um and then you could have the cross rivalries still kind of clean up everything else. And I don't know, throw Wisconsin in with Ohio State and Penn State. So you have Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, um, and the Indiana schools. So Indiana and Purdue. Mm-hmm. And then crappy schools. I think you got to break up Rutgers and Maryland. So put Illinois and Rutgers together. And then you can have Rutgers and Maryland be a cross-rivalry if you wanted. Um, Penn State and Nebraska could be your cross-rivalry like you mentioned. Uh, you could have Ohio State and Michigan as their cross-rival. Uh, Wisconsin could still play Iowa or Minnesota, whatever one seems more important to them. Um, I don't know if – I guess Illinois and Northwestern could be in separate ones as well, and they could cross-rival each other as well. So you still get the Chicago – Whatever, if there's a rivalry there, I'm not even 100 percent sure. Like I think that would be that would be a little bit more fair because then so you'd have Illinois. This is me just thinking off the top of my head. You'd Illinois, Indiana, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. So Ohio State's still favored. Yes, you would still probably have to travel either to Ohio State or to Wisconsin, but now you don't have that fourth. You have Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, but that fourth team isn't so obvious. As right now, the East is Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and that's just killer. You don't have as much obvious who that next best team is. Could be Purdue, could be Rutgers, could be Indiana, probably not going to be Illinois, probably not going to be Rutgers, but you get my point. And then the other side, you would have Iowa, Maryland, Michigan State, Michigan, Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern. I'd probably still say that's the weaker side, but if you're right now looking at the best teams in the Big Ten, you're saying West or you're saying Michigan and Ohio State are the two best teams. Mm-hmm. At least they're separated. Um and then I mean Iowa, Wisconsin sort of on the same level. Penn mm-hmm. State, Michigan State, maybe not exactly the same level, but they're relatively close. Um I think that would at least make it better. Uh I, I don't think it's perfect. And and I, I think you still run into some issues, but I think it's it's a little bit better. I agree. I think it's better. Um, yeah. So Penn State would yeah. So with Penn State with Wisconsin and Ohio State, I think they'd still pretty clearly be the top three teams in that in that proposed division. Um, I, I I'm ninety nine percent sure we were in either the legends or the leaders with them back in the day with those three teams because we did go a few years where we played Wisconsin every year. Um, yeah, it would be better. Um, yeah, I, I'd be fine with that. I just, I would be more in favor of getting rid of the divisions altogether, but if they were to go to that, I'd, I'd be fine. I mean, I honestly think that might be, that might've seriously been the legends and leaders divisions that I just named. With an addition of Rutgers and Maryland. Yes, I, I, 
because it, it it sounds very very familiar. And oh yeah, Rutgers and Maryland weren't in the legislators. That's true. No, they went right to the East after yeah, that. that was yep. before. Yeah, yeah, that was before. Because uh, Nebraska joined before that. And Correct. Obviously, Penn State joined twenty some years prior. So right. Yeah. Yeah, actually. I mean, look, it's not perfect, and and I and I like the idea of being able to mix around who you play, but also, I think it's important, and, and I like the protected rivalry part of what you're suggesting, though, because it does preserve something, and I think at the Big mm-hmm. Ten, it means something. I think the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve and the SEC got together. I think there would be more protecting of things needed because you have a lot of old rivalries there, and even the SEC to a certain extent would have to protect certain rivalries. Um, but in the Big Ten, it, it really does mean a lot. And if you're going to do it, you have to protect certain things or people will lose their minds. So those are the things I, I like about it. it. Curious, Sean, while we're on this discussion, if you had to add a team to the Big Ten, um, who would it be and why? If I had to add a team, it would be Notre Dame. And I think from a geographic perspective, from a traditional perspective, from a money perspective, they still, even today, make the most sense. Um, it would also be an opportunity to have, again, a team that Penn State used to play quite a bit in the past, in the in the, in the 80s and early 90s. Um, and uh, also from an a- academic perspective, they would they would be a natural fit. Um, that's. That would be my team. I don't know how doable that is because they have the deal with NBC and college football still lets them just operate by themselves. I, by the way, for the listeners, I hate Notre Dame more than any team in college football, uh, partly because I grew up in such a Notre Dame heavy town, uh, being a Penn State fan here. Um, but and they're allowed to be independent. I don't think independent teams should exist in 2022, join a conference and they should join the Big Ten. Okay, take take Notre Dame out because let's just assume Notre Dame goes to the ACC and they're forced to go right. somewhere, um, right. which they probably who, lose their chickens. Who would you? Who would you? And it's frustrating too because there's so many Notre Dame has you know so many rivalries with Michigan, with Michigan State, with Purdue. Yeah. Um, you would kind of want to see them stay, but that's that's just where we're at. So um, if you couldn't have Notre Dame, because I, I agree with you. Um, I'm not sure exactly where you would go next. The old school people will tell you something like a Syracuse or something like a Boston College or or an Army or a Navy. Uh, some you know some people would say Pittsburgh. Some people would say West Virginia. Uh, crazier people would even suggest maybe Iowa State. Um, I don't know if they fit academically into it. There was a rumor for a long time, like ten years ago, that Georgia Tech was a you know, someone that they were considering, you get a, a little bit of a different market. Um, if it's all about money and markets, you know, a mm-hmm. place like Georgia Tech would be beautiful um, mm-hmm. and, and reaching to somewhere different. Uh, Virginia for a similar idea, Virginia Tech for a similar kind of idea. There's a lot of different ways you could go with it, but realistically, I don't think the Virginias are probably on the board. Maybe West Virginia, but, you know, I don't think Virginia or Virginia Tech would be going anywhere. Yeah, and as far as a market goes, and this was rumored last year, so I'm not talking out my rear with this one. Um, and it sounds crazy when you first say it, but like you said, a lot of it is the markets. West Virginia does make sense from a geographic perspective, but from 
a money perspective, from an academic perspective, it really doesn't make that much sense. So a little radical idea would be USC. Now, do they make sense from a geographic perspective? Absolutely not. You get money, you get the LA market, you would have Rutgers with the New York market and having the LA market. They bring a ton of money. It's an excellent academic school. Uh, they're going to be even better now. They're going to be better now with Lincoln Riley at, uh, leading the way out there. I think USC would, I'd be totally fine if I woke up tomorrow and USC was joining the Big Ten. I don't know if they would. I don't think they would. But if I couldn't have Notre Dame, I would do everything I could to try to get USC. Maybe get USC and Stanford as a package deal. Yeah, that's fine, too. That'd be pretty sweet. That'd be awesome. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, but I just don't think it's doable, personally. I think it's hard, right? I mean, you want to reach out, something like that, but just I'm curious, like, what the money financials would be for something as crazy as that. Like, how unrealistic is that? Or is it really not that bad? I mean, you would have... I mean, I wonder how much would fall upon that team, right? Like, if you wanted just USC and you're telling USC they have to travel basically to the East Coast for half of their conference games. Now, mm-hmm. they travel a lot as is. I mean, they already go, you know, to Notre Dame every two years. And, um, you know, they, they, they do travel. I mean, they would play at Alabama and Dallas. So they, they get around. But right. to do that all the time. And, and also, California is a big state. So they're traveling you know, all over California, and also whenever they play some North opponents, Pac-12 North opponents, they've got to travel to Oregon, they got to travel to Washington, and although those are don't seem that far away from Southern California, that that's a, that's a long haul. Yeah, and you know, would they be willing to come out to State College at the end of November, where it is very cold? And granted, it does get cold up in Oregon too, um, but you're going to be playing like think about that snow game that penn state had against michigan state last year a lot of those guys who grew up in california have never even seen snow so you have to take you have to take that into account uh but a big reason why i think it would be so cool would be the big 10 has a reputation for being kind of an old stuffy stuff shirt conference and they're not proactive in anything they're a very reactive conference, historically speaking. So if they were to go, and I like your idea, too, of not only getting USC, but getting Stanford, that would be such a cool idea. But I just don't know if I just don't know if it would make sense for all the parties involved. Yeah, and, and it's annoying because all that alliance talk happened and people thought something was really going to come of it. And it's yeah. Not doesn't really seem <laughs> like it's going to really happen. So um, one other aspect before we kind of move on, this isn't really drastically related, but I wanted to ask you this question today. Um, not necessarily a fan question, but I think it's something that I've seen on Twitter and Penn State fans are upset about. So I wanted to reach out before we preview Ohio and we get out of here. Um, and that is, is it possible to still have success with honor and have that mantra and really be successful? Can you honestly still do that? Can you have this sort of Penn State mentality doing things the right way? Um, and that and I don't know if that includes just not fulfilling the NIL completely. Can they find guys that are just not NIL, you know, savvy or 
or even just, you know, maybe going behind the curtains a little bit and having to do what they got to do and maybe a little shady and, and who knows how much they've already done that. I'm sure they have, probably have done some of those kind of things. Uh-huh. But can Penn State be more all in? We've heard sometimes about how the Penn State academic things have held possible transfers from coming here. If everybody got on board with just winning football games, would it really make a difference? And does that need to somewhat happen, at least in some form? Well, I mean, sort of. And I also think with success, with honor, definitions do change over time. And what they mean changes over time. Um, Three years ago, all this NIL stuff would never be able to happen. It would be illegal. But do I think you could still ask your guys to go to class, to go to school, and then perform well on Saturdays and perform well in practice and all that? I, I, I do. Um, but I do think at the same time that the definition of a student athlete changes over time and arguably it's changed the most over the past two years than at any time in maybe in history. And... I still think you could have some academic expectations for them. And I also want to be clear that if you don't think at Penn State, guys never got paid before, and this goes back to the paternal days and everything, you're burying your head in the sand. I mean, that this stuff has happened everywhere. And it might not have been the school backing it. I'm not saying that at all. But you have all these boosters all around. And all this stuff was just kind of happening in the shadows. But now with NIL, every, at least a lot of things are out of the shadows. So I do think that you could ask your kids to go to class and to be respected members of the community and perform well on Saturday. But the definitions of what everything means and slogans like success with honor, are, is it different than it was a few years ago? Yeah. But that's sort of life at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, look, it, I think it's about how you present yourself, right? I mean, it's about who you hire and what represents Penn State the right way and at least doing your best to take care of people. And, and from what I know and what I've seen from behind the scenes when I was at Penn State, James Franklin does care. Um, he does want to do things the right way. He does want to mm-hmm. graduate players. We saw Saquon Barkley even finally come back and hit, get his degree. We saw Shaka Tony get his degree. Um, mm-hmm. I do think Penn State cares, and I don't know if that's enough. I don't know if that's as if they care as much or they're trying as hard as it was 20 years ago. But compared to some programs, I think there's only a certain level of how much you can BS being genuine. And at some point, people are going to find out if you're a fraudster or not. And James Franklin's been here for his ninth season now, or coming up on his ninth season. And people would have found out by now if this guy wasn't the real deal as far as how he handles things. If it was all just a car salesman bullcrap, he just wants to get you in the door. And also, Sean, you can't really do that anymore. Because you, you commit, you know, 10 years ago, you commit, you're committed. And you couldn't leave until after you had had a degree without having to wait a year. That's all gone. So if you're not a decent person, if you don't care about, um, you know, the family, if you don't care about the academics, and that's important to this, you know, to this player, then they're gonna go and they're gonna figure out, and they're gonna probably tell their high school coach too. So I, I don't think you can half-ass it anymore and still make it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why some coaches are are really struggling, um, 
to to connect with players and to actually realize, oh, I got to keep recruiting these kids. And it's it's you call it recruiting these kids when you don't really care about them, but you don't really have to change much if you were just being a decent person to begin with. So I, I'm not too worried about it. I, I think it's a I think from the academic standpoint and what Penn State requires some transfers, like maybe that could help there and you could get a little bit more there. But at the end of the day, I think more of it comes down to what are you going to provide from the name, image, and likeness standpoint. And also, Penn State is always going to do a thorough job on recruiting, um, even in the transfer portal. And so they're not going to jump the gun on a guy. And if he's going to commit three days after he went into the portal, Penn State's most likely not going to be uh, in the running because they're going to do their due diligence. They're not going to just take a chance and potentially ruin the culture in their locker room. And I think that is success with honor nowadays. I think that is doing the right, you know, the right thing. That's why we see a lot of these commits being guys who Penn State at least recruited previously uh, when they were still in high school. So I expect that to continue. But I think stuff like that is kind of what the success with honor is in 2022. Yeah, I I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, Penn State doesn't just take anybody. And I think that's for the better. Because if you have guys that aren't good fits culturally or academically, well, you're you're putting your program behind by bringing, like, think about it from a perspective of a guy who's been there, who's done the right thing, and then you're taking a transfer in who's troubled or maybe just doesn't fit the locker room culture, um, that, that that's not good for the rest of your roster. Uh and not everything is X's and O's. A lot of it is teach is instilling a good culture. And one thing, even though I do have criticisms of James Franklin, I do think he absolutely has instilled a very good culture at Penn State. It's our I, I would argue that we had a good culture before James Franklin, but I think he's in the twenty first century, he's the type of guy you need uh from a cult from a culture perspective perspective. I agree. I agree. And we can leave it there. And we talked a lot about Franklin's tenure and previous episodes. So if you haven't caught those, make sure to check those out. Uh, We went deep, deep down the rabbit hole for two long episodes with James Franklin, talking about James Franklin, not with James Franklin, but talking about James Franklin. (laughs) Um, And you should definitely check those out. I do want to get to Ohio. I do want to also say in the kind of the world of college football, I saw Oregon's recruiting extremely well right now. I saw Clemson's recruiting extremely well right now, kind of on a little both of them are kind of on a little bit of a hot spurt lately. Also, Josh Pate with 24-7 shouted out Parker Washington, talked about him on his uh, weekly show, thought Parker Washington has an opportunity mm-hmm. to really take a next step and to really kind of be the dude. And, and and obviously we've said those things as well, but it's also nice to see some national attention for Penn State. So uh, shout out to Parker Washington. Sean, Ohio, the Bobcats, come to Bobcats. town week two. If you missed the Purdue preview, go check that out last week. Also, obviously, on YouTube, we'll try to get the Ohio uh, YouTube Know Your Enemy out sometime this week. Ohio not going to be very good in 2022. They weren't great in 2021. Um, new head coach over there from last or from two seasons ago and Tim Albin. He was there last year. They didn't do great. He's been there for a long time, been the offensive coordinator uh, for all 16 years when Frank Solich was the head coach. So maybe just – and it was a kind of a last-minute thing, so he kind of got thrust into the role. So this is like his first true full year of being the head coach. So maybe a little bit more time to adjust to the culture and, and, and do things the way he wants to. 
but Sean, this Ohio team, not very good last year, and it's they're, they're projected to finish towards the bottom of, of the MAC again this year. Yeah, uh, Ohio traditionally has been a very good MAC program. Uh, Frank Solich is something of a, you know, a little bit of a legend out there. He was there a long time after he was fired from Nebraska, and he built a really, really respectable program. And uh, their new coach from last year, Tim Albin, was his longtime offensive coordinator. Uh, they play in Athens, Ohio, which is the home of uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow actually grew up, fun fact, an Ohio Bobcats fan, not an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. So, yeah, like you said, I'm not expecting them to be very good this year. They didn't have a good offense last year. They didn't have a good defense last year. Uh, they do return. They do return their starting quarterback. Uh, I just had his name. Give me a second. Curtis Curtis Rourke. Uh, he had a pretty pedestrian season last year. Um, and I'm expecting this to be a team that Penn State could really work some kinks out. Some could really work some kinks out on. Um, and hopefully not have to worry much about uh, beating this uh, team that I don't expect to be very special. Yeah. I mean, that's just the best way to put it. Curtis Rourke, by the way, he is the brother, I want to say, of Nathan Rourke, who was the quarterback before. So they've had a Rourke there for, I think this will be the sixth straight year. So um, he he likes to run. Um, He can throw the ball, I guess, a little bit decently, but I expect a lot of quick passes from him. um, And they're going to let him run. So Penn State does have to worry about the threat of a quarterback. Um, he will run. Uh, Ocean Allison is back at running back. He he ran the ball decently well last year. They actually had a pretty decent running game last year. So, I mean, they can run the ball. If Penn State's not ready to defend the run, it, you know, it could potentially turn into a, a longer game for the Penn State defense if they can't stop the run. Do have three offensive linemen back. The other guy, uh, the only other guy I really wanted to mention on offense, wide receiver Rice or wide receiver from Rice. August Pitchery, the third, just transferred over. 31 catches, averaged 15.9 yards per catch last year for Rice. So potential deep threat there. I'm not sure how much Ohio is going to take advantage of that because they're not really known for stretching the ball out like that. But you get a guy like Petrie the third in there, maybe they'll take a couple more opportunities downfield. So keep an eye on that guy. Um, and like you said, defensively, they actually got worse last year than they were the previous year. I think they're 114th in SP+. Last year, I think they were like 90th previous year mm-hmm. do have nine starters back Sean on defense so they do have some experience returning on the road to Happy Valley having you know experience back on defense is a pretty important part there are two linebackers I wanted to mention Sean uh Cannon Blouse and uh Bryce Houston combined for 207 tackles and 26 tackles for a loss so they got some experience they got some production back at the linebacker position um and and they can do some good things. So I'm not saying the running game is is. I think this is a good opportunity if if it doesn't happen in Purdue, it's a good opportunity against potentially a good set of linebackers to figure out your running game. Like it's one thing to play Idaho and run the ball on them, and I'm not saying Ohio is going to be really good against the run, but you're at least going to go against some linebackers that make you work at least a little bit for it. And this might be an opportunity for Penn State to get the running game figured out. If Penn State doesn't have a a single 100-yard rusher against Ohio, I think we, we we kind of freak out a little bit. Yeah, when you play against a team like Ohio that, you know, isn't very good, uh, 
but they have a good unit where they do something well. I think that's that makes them worth playing. Uh, you brought up Idaho. I thought Idaho was the worst team I've ever seen Penn State play. They couldn't do anything. And the problem with that is it doesn't feel like your guys learned anything or they, they worked anything out. But, you know, going against two good linebackers, going up against a quarterback who's mobile. And the Big Ten, there's a lot of mobile quarterbacks. That's a good thing. Having that, it helps it helps prepare your team and get good film on how to prepare for some for something like for guys like that down the road. So um, again, while I don't think this will be a very competitive game, I do think that there'll be some things that Penn State could be able to work out against them. Yeah, and I think maybe they have to, right? I mean, we saw them struggle yeah. against running the ball against other. So another opportunity um, before you go to Auburn. You want to have things kind of figured out, especially, especially you come off of a loss to Purdue. It's a huge get right week before you go to Auburn. If you can't get things figured out, let's just assume that's the offense that's being inconsistent uh, at Purdue, regardless if they win or lose. Mm -hmm. You got to get it all figured out before you go on the road at Auburn, because I'm telling you what, Auburn, I don't think they're going to be great this year in the SEC, but they're going to be playing at home. And if you ask people on the other side of the state in Tuscaloosa, they'll tell you that. Uh, Auburn, and maybe it's a whole university, uh, whatever the case may be. There, I don't know if there's a, an Indian burial ground nearby. Crazy things tend to happen. Um, and if you're not ready, Auburn will take care of business against you. There, there are too much talent. There's too much athletes on the field for Auburn. And if you're not ready to go, they will stomp you. And if Penn State's offense is not consistent – um, when they go into Jordan-Hare Stadium, they will get their butt handed to them. So it's a huge get-right week against Ohio, regardless if they win or lose against Purdue. you got to make sure that offense is ready to go. You have a good game plan moving into Auburn. This is this is exactly what you want before you play Auburn. Absolutely. Um, I'm very happy that we don't start with Purdue and then go right down to Auburn. Uh, while I do love being tested early in the season, you need a game like this. You need a game, uh, I'd like I say, like a get-right game, where I'm sure there'll be something against Purdue where we struggle. Um, I don't want to say definitively, but odds are there'll, there'll be something. I mean, there, there definitely will be things we need to work on. So being able to work on that against a team like Ohio is really just what we need. I think if you play Auburn Week 1, you lose the Auburn week one. I'm just going to say that right now. Don't don't think yeah, it's even really up for debate. Um, yeah. I mean, you look, even Ohio State last year started on the road at Minnesota, I believe. And they were losing. Maybe they're only down or maybe they were up seven by the time Mo Ibrahim got hurt. But it was a close game at halftime. C.J. Stroud was, th you know, I think he threw two interceptions in that game, one right before the half mm -hmm. maybe. Um, it was a close game for a while there. I expect there's going to be plenty to work on um, in the Ohio week coming off that Purdue game. There's, there's no way the Purdue game is going to be pretty. If you're looking for Penn State to win 50 to zero, it's just not unless we've completely miscalculated on Purdue um, and we've completely underrated Penn State's offense in year two with John Clifford and in your uh, working together. Um, but more than likely, I would I would be willing to put my life on. There's something Penn State can work on against Ohio. Yeah, I do too. And if they end up blowing out Purdue, 
honestly, my first instinct will be, while I'll be happy that we did, will be Purdue's probably not as good as we thought they'd be. So definitely there'll be some, uh, almost definitely there'll be something that we'll have to work on. Um, and it'll be a, it'll be a good opportunity. It'll be the first opening day at Beaver stadium, which I love. I typically love going to, uh, it's usually a really nice day in early September. Um, so, and I do plan on bringing my girlfriend to her first Penn state game, which will be that game against Ohio. Right. And it would be uh, a lot better than I'm sure the blue and white weekend was just cause it's, there's something about something in the air for the opening home game. Yeah. Um, last time. Penn State played Ohio, uh, two or uh, two thousand twelve. I guess it'd be two thousand twelve, and yeah. uh, Penn State also started on the road that year at Virginia, and then they came back to play Ohio, thinking maybe that was going to be a get-right game for Penn State. They ended up losing to Ohio, and which was an insane. Basically, it would take even more insanity, I think, for Penn State to lose to Ohio than what happened in that game. If you, if you don't remember, go back and watch. Like people are like, "Oh yeah, Penn State just wasn't very good." No, Penn State still probably should have won that game. But there was tip passes caught for touchdown. It was just, it was stupid. So, um, if 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 you need to refresh your memory, I don't know why you'd want to, but go back and watch. It wasn't so clean and dry, you know, clean cut that Penn State was just worse in Ohio. Um, Penn State got pretty unlucky in that game for what it's worth, and I think that wouldn't even be enough for this year. Yeah, and that was a pretty good Ohio team. They were a nine four team that year. Um, I'm I'm not making excuses, but, but like for what we we still shouldn't have lost Ohio that year. Uh, but they were a good team. They were a pretty good MAC team. Uh, this Ohio team just isn't. They're they're they ain't the same group. Right, and that's just the nicest way to put it. So. Um, <laughs> We'll move on. As far as games to preview, I, I'm serious. This is probably the least exciting one to preview. Even Central Michigan um, will be better because Central Michigan's a better team. So, uh, like I said, this probably will be up on YouTube hopefully um, sometime this week. But that's kind of the gist on Ohio. Again, there'll be a little bit more dive, deep dive on, on YouTube. Again, if you didn't see the Purdue one, go check that one out. Um, next week, we'll be talking Auburn. So, I think we'll probably save a little bit more time to talk Auburn. This episode actually ran pretty long. Hopefully, Sean, maybe we'll have a commitment to talk about next week. Fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely look out for that. And I hope there's no decommitment we'll have to address. Yeah, something tells me there there might be. Um, but it's a big, big, big time weekend next week for recruiting. So um, yep. maybe we try to do I mean, people have already talked about a lot of their visits already. I, w- I would be surprised if, if we record Sunday mid-afternoon if we didn't know if there was a commitment or not. I feel like they would probably come in. They, a lot of times these kids like to commit to Franklin in person and not wait until they get home to do it. I mean, it happens, but typically they're excited to tell Franklin because they know Franklin's going to be excited. So more than likely something would happen it's probably going to happen on saturday some point but who knows or maybe sunday morning yeah um i agree with you like a lot of times they'll want to commit there um (laughs) just putting myself in their shoes as a man who's a little older than they are i i think the smart idea is probably to just decompress and really think before you commit uh like nickels nick singleton last year he said he was very close to committing to Notre Dame while he was there. 
Uh, but his parents kind of talked him out of it and said, well, why don't you just wait and see what Penn State has to offer and everything? Um, so I think that's sort of the best approach. Um, and then just kind of take a, take a, a you know, t- take a different perspective when you're not right there and you and you're going to make a decision just I don't want to say impulsively, but just trying to get it out of the way while you're there. I think it's better to go home, talk about it with your family and then decide. But that's advice from a guy who never had to go through this. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it is early. I think a lot of guys do want to get it done um, before their final football season. But also. I got a whole other month. I mean, we're talking mid-June right now, so plenty of right. time there. Um, that's all we have for this week. There's a lot to talk about, so hopefully you guys enjoyed a little bit longer episode. Um, it's always good when we can run, you know, a buck twenty or so in the middle of June. That means we're providing at least some sort of content. So if you are not already uh, subscribed to wherever you're listening, make sure you're already subscribed. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed there as well. Share it with one friend. Another college football Penn State fan. Uh, share the podcast with them. We'd really appreciate it. Any way, shape, or form, uh, it'd go a long way. If you do leave a five-star review on Apple, um, a review review, we'll read it on the show. So we'll uh, keep an eye out for those if you haven't already. So for Sean Kane, I'm Corey Lestoki. This is Hardcore Penn State Football. Catch you guys next time on the Flippity Flop. Thank you, everybody. All right. See you all next time. Bye-bye.